we're in the last message of this series called Our Imperfect Family. Our Imperfect Family. We've been talking about marriage. We've been talking about kids. And today, I want to talk about, you know, as we close this out, I want to start off talking about our babies. Because when they're born, they're so perfect, right? They're perfect. They got perfect, you know, the perfect little nose. They got perfect little fingers, perfect little toes. You know, everything about them is perfect. You know, no one, no one ever said they have an ugly baby, okay? You know, the babies are just perfect. Now, I remember when I first held my firstborn, which is Nathan, he's now 12 years old. I remember when I, when I first hold him, I thought, he doesn't look so perfect. He looked like a cross between E.T. and Papa Smurf. I mean, I was like, what is going on here? I was expecting a perfect baby, and I've got some, something else, you know? I've got Conehead Nathan. i got Conehead Abigail when she was born, you know, and a little bluish. And I'm like, what's going on? But, of course, after a few minutes, you know, and they clean her up, or they clean him up, and, and they swaddle him. And then you're like, oh, yes, the perfect little baby. Perfect little baby. And we think we have the most perfect child. And then around one year old, we realized that we have a little stinker, right? We realized that this perfect baby has a little thing called a sin nature. And we realized that our perfect babies are imperfect people just like you and just like me because we're all born, all of us were born with a sin nature, we're born with that. In fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse number 10, it said, there is no one righteous, not even one, not even your perfect little one. He said, there is no one who understands, there is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good not even one. You see, the day I remember holding my babies, you know, each one, and I'm sure that you do this too. The day that you hold your baby for the very first time, you begin to wonder what God has in store for your little one, right? You begin to think, now what, what is God going to do with my child? What is God going to do with my baby? And you can't wait to see what God is going to do. And here's what I'm going to say. No one ever thinks this. No one ever looked at their new baby and think, you know, maybe, maybe one day I will take this baby to rehab. We don't think that. No, no one else says, you know, maybe one day my baby will grow up, grow up in a life of crime. We don't think that. You know, we don't think my baby can be violent or it can be a drug addict. We don't think that one day my baby, it could be suicidal. None of us think that on the first day holding that baby. We've got, we think of big plans. We think of big things that we want. We don't think those thoughts. And yet, occasionally, and more than occasionally, the one that we love ends up going the wrong way. I know great parents. 
great parents. We have great intention for the children. They work really hard for the kids. They, they brought their kids to church. They trained them in the way that they should go. They initiate a craving. That We talked about that last week. We, we initiate a craving in their heart for the things of God. We work hard to transfer dependence from us so that they can one day be dependent on God. We work hard for that. We did everything right. Well, I'm not saying we're perfect parents. I don't believe any of us are perfect, but we work hard. We work hard. And the child didn't grow up like we had hoped and like we had prayed for. We see a good example in the Old Testament. We see a good set of parents. Their child grew up and gave them heartache. I'm, I'm talking about a guy named Samson. We know the story of Samson, the strongest man in the Bible. And if, if there was anyone who should have gotten it right, it was Samson. A few things about Samson here. He was one of a half dozen people that was born by a touch of God. So if that's not an upper hand, I don't know what is. Right? And on top of that, he was one of three divinely announced birth. One of three. So it's obvious God had something very special for Samson. On top of all that, he was one of only two people in all of Scripture where it was recorded that he was called by God before the day that he was even born. He came from a great family. He had all sorts of advantages, but strong. And yet this guy who obviously had God all over him. Broke every single Nazarite, Nazarite vow that he had. Broke them all. He struggled with lust problem, woman problem. Eventually, his sinfulness caused him to be imprisoned, had, had shaved, his eyes gouged out, and at the end of his life, he died a tragic death. If anyone should have gotten it right, it was Samson. And so today we're going to talk about parents, when things don't go the way we want. When our kids go, out, go and they live outside of God's parameters and, and they, they live outside our wishes when they become prodigals. Prodigals. And some of you right now, you have a prodigal child. Others of you, one day you might have one. Hope not, but you might have one. You might do all the right things. You still might have a prodigal child. And it's in those seasons of hurt and loneliness, panic and pain and emptiness that it brings. And if you're hurting here today, I want to bring a word of encouragement to you, and that's this, if you're taking note. God understands parental pain. He understands it. There's no one who understands better what it's like to hurt as a parent than God. God's children, the Israelites, over and over and over again were prodigals. He brings them back and they start worshiping God and over a course of years, they drifted away from God and, and, and God's heart broke for his own people. Isaiah chapter 1, 
Look at what God said about the children of Israelite. God said, I raised children. I brought them up. But they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its master. The donkey its owner's manger. In other words, the animal knows who they belong to. But Israel, they do not know. My own people do not understand. God understands parental pain. He knows where you're at. And so what do you do when your children run from God's standards and from your standards? What if it's a prodigal child? What if it's a prodigal? Let's, let's widen the parameters here. Let's widen our, you know, our base. Maybe it's a prodigal grandchild that's in your life. Some of you, you might know a prodigal who's a friend. You've got someone you hang out with or you know, and he, he's running away from God. He's a prodigal. He's cut connection with you. And I've had friends that I've deeply loved, deeply loved who have turned their back on God and others, and now they're a prodigal. They've turned their family. They've run away. They've left people hurting like you would not believe. I've got friends in my life right now. And it's not letting anybody speak into his life. They're prodigals. Some of you might have a family member like that. You might have a spouse that's a prodigal at the moment. So what do you do when someone that we love runs away from God? In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells a story about a runaway child, a runaway son, and the unbelievable love of the father. Unbelievable. And it starts out in verse number 11 in Luke chapter 15. The Bible says there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, he said, Father, give me my share of the estate. In other words, you know, he said, I want my inheritance, and I want it now. You know, you get your inheritance when your mom and dad dies. And he basically looked at dad, and he said, Dad, I count you dead right now. I consider you dead in my life. I want my inheritance, and I want it now. And the father divided his property between the two sons. And not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, and he set off for a distant country. And, and let me just pause here. This is what prodigals do. Maybe you have a prodigal who has set off for a distant spiritual country. They say, you know what? All this Jesus stuff, all this Christianity, I just don't buy it anymore. I don't, I don't get into it anymore. I'm just going to go off. I'm going to explore it on my own. I'm going to discover my own life, my own path, my own way. I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to just follow God just because my mom and dad said it's true. I'm going to figure it out on my own. And so you got the prodigal son. He's on a distant spiritual country, just like some of our prodigals that we know are doing. They've head off in a distant country. Now, if you're taking notes, whenever you see a prodigal, almost every time, every time you'll see these three common ingredients. Number one, prodigals generally become increasingly self-centered. Prodigals become self-centered. Their focus, their focus is only on them and them alone. Well, this is what I'm going to do. I don't care. I don't care about you. Forget you. 
I, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I want to do. I'm going to do what I feel like doing. I don't care what you think. It's all about me. They become increasingly, increasingly self-centered. But they also think they know all the answers. They also think they know all the answers. And this is tough on parents who have lots of life experiences, right? And that teenage kid, that 15 or 14 or 16-year-old kid, and say, Mom and Dad, you don't know squat. You're stupid. And you're looking at this person who has very little life experience, right? And you're hurting because all of a sudden, they believe that you're stupid, and they don't listen to your advice anymore. Winston Churchill said this. He said, when I was 16 years old, I thought my parents knew nothing. When I was 21, I was shocked to discover how much they picked up in the last five years. <laughs> now, prodigals think they know all the answers. But number three, they demand immediate gratification. The prodigal son, he said, give me my share of the estate. Give it to me now. I'm going to do my own thing now. I'm going to party now. I am. I want what I want now. They want immediate gratification. It becomes all about them. They become self-centered. They think they know all the answers, and they demand everything now. They demand gratification. Now, if you look in your notes, on the bottom of your handout notes, I printed for you, you know, the rest of Luke chapter 15, verse 13, 14, 15, and 16. And what this is, it's the biblical version of the prodigal downward spiral. I mean, he leave for a distant country and everything went south. Now, for a minute, for a while, there was a season of fun in his life. I mean, he thought, man, this is great. But it went south very, very quickly. And, and let me just say that when a prodigal leaves the protective parameters of God, they always eventually go down. And some of you this morning, you might be here today. And you're a prodigal. You're a prodigal right now. And you're going to admit, and you might say, man, sin is fun. I'm enjoying it. But kid yourself not. Maybe later today, next week, next month, next year, maybe if you're lucky, the following year, your sin will find out, and it will catch up with you. And when it does, sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. The prodigals in the room, listen, it will take you down. And you will see this in the story of the prodigal child. He had his season of fun, but then it went down quickly, and he paid in the long run. And so I've I given you these verses, and I don't wanna, what I want to do here for the next minute is I want to read a modern-day version of the rest of the story. A modern-day version. So you've got the biblical version, and most of you know the story. I want to give you a modern-day version of the story I'm going to read it, and here's what it says. Mom and Dad, you raised me in church, but I don't buy it. 
I don't buy this God stuff. I'm not sure if it's real. I don't want to do it. So the son, he goes out and says, forget your rules. I'm going to live the way I want. So he goes off to find some wild friends, get mixed up in the party life, start drinking like crazy, start messing around with drugs, finds himself angry, bitter, violent. He starts seeing girls looking for a user-friendly woman. He shows his wild oats. Life gets a little crazy and crazier. Before he longs, he finds himself stealing things from people. And then one day, he gets arrested for stealing. He gets arrested somehow, right? We all know this story. We've all seen this, right? Parent thinks he finally hit rock bottom. He gets out of prison. He gets out of jail. And maybe for a week, maybe a couple months. And then start going back down the path that he was in. He's still hard-headed. He keeps on going and going and going. And one day he catches up to him. He gets so drunk that he passes out over the side of the road. He wakes up. He wakes up on the side of the road. Close to death. Close to cars. Running right by him. He wakes up and realizes that he almost died. He finally hit rock bottom. He finally came to his senses what we see in the prodigal story of the son in Luke chapter 15. So at this point, his life is messed up. He's hurting. But let me tell you who's hurting even more. His parents are hurting as they watch their child go through this. But even more than the parents, the heavenly father hurts. But let me tell you what the parents are doing this whole time. Parents are asking a question. They question everything. They question, they say, where did we go wrong? Where did we mess up? They pray, God, how could we have done things differently with our child? They argue back and forth, maybe. Dad said, we should have spanked him. Mom said, maybe we should have not been so hard on him, right? We start guessing ourselves and We said we should, have been, we should have made him more responsible. We should have helped him get a job. We should have disciplined him better. We start second guessing everything. We start questioning our parenting. And parents, those of you that have a prodigal, let me just say this right now. It's not all your fault. It's not all of your fault. Sure, maybe we could have done things better. Sure. We have been major influence in our kids' lives. But just like we can't take all the credit when they turn out great, we also can't take all the blame when they struggle. See, God is ultimately the one who helped them turn out great, and God is ultimately the one that can bring them out of trouble that they're in. God can do it. So don't beat yourself up, parents. Don't beat yourself up, grandparents, spouse, friends. Don't beat yourself up until there's no more faith left in you. And so what do you do? How do you reach the prodigal son, daughter, spouse, the one that's running away? How do you reach them? I'm going to give us three biblical thoughts, and then we'll finish. Number one, live with unwavering prayer. Unwavering prayer. 
I like this prayer that Paul expressed to the church in Colossae. He was writing a letter to the Colossian people, and he wrote this prayer, and this is what he said to them in Colossians chapter 1, verse number 9. He said, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, and to please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So what do we do? We do not stop praying. Why? So that their life may be a submission, may be in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ, so that they may please him in every single way. We pray, God, we want our child to grow up. We want a child to find you so that they can please you again in every area of their lives. And so we pray. Now, oftentimes, when someone who has a prodigal, I hear things like this. Well, we've done everything we know to do, Pastor Scott. You know, we've tried counseling. We've done an intervention. We've tried this. We've grounded him or we've grounded her. We've took his car away. I got down, the only thing left to do is pray. And prayer becomes an afterthought. And I'm here to say this, that prayer should be the first line of attack. That prayer should be number one in the way that we should reach the prodigal kid, the prodigal family member in our lives. Not, not some safe little Sunday school prayer. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about on your face with everything that's in you. You're crying out and say, God, I don't know how. I don't see it, but I believe. I believe. Help my faith. Help my child. Help my friend. Help my husband or my wife. God, I believe. Go after him, God. Go after him. And I'm saying, Pray and be aggressive with unwavering prayer. Be aggressive. What do you pray? I've got a couple of things here on your handout. What do you pray? Pray, number one, that they'll have the right friends every single time. Pray that they will come across someone that might have a, a spiritual influence in their life. Pray for a friend. Pray that God will remove the bad friends. Pray that he finds the right people. Pray number two, that they will get caught when guilty. And number three, and if you're really bold and you really mean business, you pray, God, do whatever it takes. And that's a serious prayer. It's a serious prayer. And it's one of the scariest prayers that you'll ever pray. But he said, God, if they have to hit rock bottom, do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes. You start with unwavering prayer. But number two, you live with unending patience. Unending patience. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 9, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't give up. The prodigal father, when his son came home, I want you to notice in verse number 20, 
So the prodigal son, he got up and went to his father. He came to his senses, all right? He hit rock bottom, so he started headed home. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Stop here for just a minute. His father has been waiting for him. And that's what I believe about the father, that every day, every single day, the father was on the edge of town, the father was on the edge of his property, maybe on his, you know, by the front door. Every day, he was looking. Every day, he thought, today is the day. Every day, he thought, today is the day. I believe today is the day that my child can come home, and I believe he felt that. He never, ever gave up. And neither should you. Don't give up. The father, he didn't write him off. He didn't say, man, this is no son of mine. He's no son of mine. He can't act like that and be a son of mine. He didn't do that. He never said, no, I'm going to take him out of the wheel. I'm going to take him off. I'm going to write him off. He didn't do that. The parent, the father loved him enough to let him hit rock bottom. Rock bottom. And that is really hard to do, but never give up. Never give up. And he never gave up on his son. He never gave up on his prodigal. And I'm telling you, don't give up. Even when he hit rock bottom, and they come home, don't rehash all their mistakes. Don't, don't, don't do the, hey, I told you so. When they come home and they've already hit rock bottom, they already know. They already know. And so, number three, when and if the day comes, you will live with unconditional love. This is one of the most touching stories in all of Scripture. See, the father saw him, right? He'd been waiting for him. And when he saw him, he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. Notice, the son did not deserve any of this. None of this. The father, though, he just went crazy. He just went nuts over his son. He had come home. Here's the modern telling of the rest of the story. Ready? The father said to his servant, Find Bessie the cow. Killer, we're having steak tonight. Put on some clean clothes. Get the best robe that I have and put it over his filthy body so that all I see is his cleanliness from the outside. Find the biggest ring that I have and put it on his finger. My son was blind, but now he can see again. He was lost, but now he is found. My son was dead, but now he's alive. Unconditional love. The father went crazy when the prodigal came home. Now, here's the more truth behind the story. Jesus tells a parable. He's telling it to a crowd of, of Pharisees, religious people. They're in the midst. He's telling the story. That's his audience in the story here. Uh, he got some believers, some of his disciples. They're all listening. And there's so many powerful truths. There were so many applications from the story that he's making. 
But I believe this is the main truth behind this whole story, and I hope you see this. Some of you, some of you know this, some of you might not know this, but here it is. In the story, God is the Heavenly Father, and we, me, you, we're the prodigals. We're the runaways. We're the one in our own heart that run away, we've sinned, we've done things our own way. We're the self-centered one. We're the one that thinks we have all the answers. We're the one that wants immediate gratification. That's us. And God is the one that when we simply turn to him, he pursues us, he runs towards us with unconditional love. And many of you have given your life to him. You've given your heart to a father that pursued. When we were running away from him, he still was waiting for us. Loves us so much. He's our model. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you and for me so that we can experience a new life in him, so that we can say that we were once lost, but now we're found. I was blind, but now I see. I was dead, but now I'm alive in Christ. There are those of you today, you're still a prodigal. You're still running away far from God. And you're here today by chance. You just came to church. Someone invited you to come or or maybe you haven't been here in a while and you came to church and you're seeing this message and say, I'm the prodigal. I'm far from God. Some of you, listen, some of you might be here. You, you come to church every Sunday. You've got your Jesus smile on. You look good. You play the part of a good Christian man or woman, but inside your heart, my friend, you're a prodigal. You're far from God. You might show that you're close and that you're tight with Jesus, tight with God, but from the inside of your heart. And no, you got everybody fooled. But you know it. And God knows it. And so whether you, you're here and you say, man, I am a prodigal and, and you know, there's, no, there's no denying that. Or maybe you're a secret prodigal. I'm here to say this. And I want you to hear what God has to say to you. God said in Isaiah 30, verse 18, So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so that he can show you his love and compassion. Let me just say this right now at this moment. God is waiting for you. He's waiting. He's on the edge of his seat. He's waiting for you to come home. He's waiting for you to give your life back to him. And he's not going to bring you in so that he can bring shame and guilt. He wants to bring love and compassion. And that's the heart of the Father. He loves you so much. He's waiting for you. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. God's arms are wide open. He's wide open. And if you're here today, he's waiting for you to come home. In just a minute, we're going to have our time of worship. 
We're going to close with one last psalm called Broken Vessel. And while they're saying that, I'm going to invite some of you here. We don't do this every Sunday, but we're going to invite those who, number one, say, hey, I've got a prodigal in my family. I've got a prodigal in my life. And I would just want to get on my knees before God. I would just want to pray. And, and, and some of you, I know you have. That's been a, you've been praying. But for some of you, you've got someone in your life, and you just, you're beyond yourself. You don't know what to do. I'm here to say, start with prayer. Unwavering, get on your knees before God and beg God to bring him, bring her back. But there might be someone here today that says, you know, God, I am the prodigal. Today, I need to stop running. Today, I want to come home. And so after seeing a son in just a minute, I'm going to pray in just a minute. After I pray, we're going to stand. I've got a couple of people I've already asked to come forward to, to stand along here. And so after I pray, I want those that I've talked to to come forward, spread yourself out. You don't have to pray with them, but if you want to have someone pray with you, they're here. We're available. If you want to come forward and just get on your knees before God, say, God, I need you. You come. Pray in your seat. You do whatever you want. Just in the next few minutes, we're going to sing a song called Broken Bethel. Because you know someone who's broken right now. But we also know the one who can take broken parts. And we believe that he can take brokenness and bring it together again. Our Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the, we thank you for the heart of the Father, a heart of love, compassionate love, pursuing us. But God, I pray today for those in our lives that are running away, the prodigal friend, the prodigal son, the prodigal daughter, maybe the prodigal husband, the prodigal wife. Sometimes, God, we feel like they're giving up. Sometimes we want to write them off as a lost cause. God, I pray that today that you will help us. I pray that we come to you with everything we've got, with prayer, not just today, but praying every day, praying for a prodigal friend, prodigal son, prodigal family member, prodigal daughter, whoever it might be. God, I pray that we don't give up. God, I pray that one day, that one, that one day they show up. We pray that they will. That we'll receive them like you receive us with unconditional love. God, there's some of us here today, we recognize that we're the prodigal. We're the one that needs to come home. We're the one that needs to come back to you. God, you're waiting for us. And so God, we ask you to help us in the next few minutes while we sing this song to work through this song, to work through our heart as we have a heart, as we reach out by prayer to you for the prodigal, 
Lord, for the ones who are prodigal, to come to you. Work in us in the next few minutes. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand. Danny, Tammy, Karen, Dave, I'll be up here. You want to pray? You want to pray by yourself? You come at the worship place.